serving the kingdom of God, serving the people of God, serving the children, the youth, the adults, the students at Elam, the pastors around the world. It's nothing but a privilege. And I thank you for the privilege this morning, Pastor Mike. I thought you were going to take off and preach my message. I just called Terry as he was walking down the aisle to go do one more thing. And I said, Terry, are you staying? Because I'm preaching to you this morning. Precisely on Mark, Pastor, as you kept talking about taking the kingdom or taking territory. I want you to turn in your Bible to Daniel this morning. I'm commissioned to you this morning by the Lord. He told me to come as a recruiter. I'm looking for people who want to take the kingdom. I'm looking for people who have it in their hearts that they want to go all the way through to the fulfillment of the purpose of God for your life. But you got to get past that. It's bigger than that. You are part of something really really, really big. It's bigger than you are. And every one of us is little. We're small. We're just a speck on the earth. We're tiny. We're weak. We're failing from time to time. We're faltering much of the time. We do grow weary in the battle. Sometimes we even quit for a while. I just went through a thing this weekend. I was supposed to be out in ministry, but I was bombarded. I was just going 54 miles away. Nobody going with me. I'm driving myself. I'm in a, I'm in a time personally of being restricted. I've, I've never been restricted by the cancer that tried to take my leg. I've pressed and pressed and pressed and Pushed and pushed and pushed. But on December 1st, when I was supposed to be going to that church in Penyan to do a prophetic seminar with their prophetically uh, prepared people and to speak to that church, and, and in the night, the night before, something happened to my good leg. And by 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, I knew it was something serious. So I woke somebody up to take me to the hospital, and it was a blood clot. And I have been restricted ever since. Can't get on a plane. Had to give up going to Georgia for Christmas, but also for ministry. Had to give up going to Africa. Had 44 people. I was number 44. And I had to let my team go without me. They made it fine. It was I who struggled have to cancel ministry after ministry because I can't get on a plane. Won't know until March. And they won't do anything else until then. Just keep taking the medicine and then be careful you do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. It's been one of the most uncertain times in my life. My ministry, it's what I do. It's who I am. I go. I don't stop. Even in the year before my cancer, the Lord gave me a theme for my life and for our retreat. And it was, don't stress, press. Don't stress, press. Say it with me. 
don't stress, press. And then two weeks before my retreat, I had my leg, thankfully, just opened up, taken apart, things taken out, things put in, and put it back together. But everybody thought, oh, Sylvia won't be at retreat. And one of my friends said, do you know Sylvia? If it takes an army, she'll be there. It took an army. It took four people to get me out of the wheelchair and uh, into the recliner that we took for the front of the auditorium. And it took, took people to get me up on the hospital bed that we moved into the retreat center, but I pressed. And I pressed. And it wasn't long before I could be traveling 30, 36 hours to get across the world. I'm used to pressing. Even if it's stress, I press. And yet this time, I've been stopped. And I think the greatest challenge to me is not to stress about whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. As it turned out, I learned last week, there was reason for my concern because when I left the vascular doctor's office, somebody failed to give me my instructions, failed to give me information on what I was supposed to do or not do, failed to give me the prescription for the kind of crazy stockings I have to wear. And so I was, I was just frustrated. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Because in case you don't know it, the danger of a clot is it goes to the heart or it goes to the lungs or it goes to the brain. And it's a life and death matter. I was still pressing. I can still get to Africa, do another ultrasound, see if the clot is gone. No, we will not do another ultrasound until March. And even if it's gone, we will not give you permission to get on a plane. Because if you've had one, you can have another. And I'm stressing, stretching, pressing the way I usually do. And I finally had to hear from God. Does that make sense to you? So he spoke to me. And this is what he said. And God always speaks to me in, in a, he never speaks in monotone. Your Bible's written in monotone. Every tone is the same. But when God speaks, he speaks with inflections. And so the first time he spoke to me, he said, this is not about a blood clot. This is about my will. He said God's will. He spoke third person. This is about God's will for your life. God's will for your life. So I went after God's will. Well, is it God's will? And I was getting emails from around the world and people telling me, take authority over that clot and you will make it on the mission. You know, sometimes we prophesy what we should pray. And... And so I'm pressing, I'm believing, and I'm saying, right up until two days before the team was leaving. And then God spoke to me in a different tone. And he said, this is not about a blood clot. This is about God's will for your life. Oh, my life. And he said, this is a matter of whether you live. 
and it is my purpose for you to live. Oh, so if I stay home from Africa, your will for my life is not all ruined? No, you have to live to fulfill my will. Oh, and for once, it means stay. I've had go in me all my life. I used to sing the song Submission as a solo, and it ends up not what I wish to be nor where I wish to go. For who am I that I should choose my way? The Lord shall choose for me. Tis better far that I know. So let him bid me go. And the last two words I just dropped. Or stay. I don't have any stay in me. The night that Creative Word Ministries was born, I had had three days of God pressing the skull with the word go in quotes. Geo dot dot dot. And I knew that it meant go into all the world. End quote. And I was arguing greatly with the Lord about it. At that time, I didn't feel very qualified. I'd been doing counseling for a while and I didn't feel successful is what the truth is. I couldn't measure success the way I could when I was a school teacher or a drama producer or a choral director. You can measure things, but with counseling, now you see them, now you don't. You're dealing with transients, drug addicts. They're good for a while, and then they disappear. And I was arguing greatly with God. I, uh, why would you want me to go? I don't feel as though I'm accomplishing anything. If anybody's been to South Georgia, I was crossing over I-75 at Adel, Georgia, headed out into the darkness, and I was saying things to God about how unqualified and weak I was. And so he arranged a little confrontation, a little meeting, a little encounter. And it was a big black car that came from behind a bush. Lights were shining out into my pathway in the night and I realized that thing is not stopping. It's coming on the road. There was no road across that way except a big ditch. There was no place to go. And that thing got in front of me all the way across the road. It was such a, you can't even remember those big cars, but it was all the way across the road. I managed to go that way while God sent angels to turn that thing, that big black car like this, and into this lane and up over the overpass while I went in the ditch. And as soon as I got in the ditch, and it's about this deep, I just stopped there a few months ago to watch it. God said to me, don't you know if I thought... You were not worth anything that I'd know how to get rid of you. And in the next 30 minutes, Creative Word Ministries was born out of the word go. And so when God says to me, go, I'm intending to go. And I want part of the larger kingdom, don't you? But if he says to you, stay, fine, take your little piece of the kingdom. But for me, it was supposed to be the nations of the world. At first, I thought it was just going to be in one little spot on Bukuria Mission Station in Kenya. And every time I tried, he stopped me and until it was go to the world. And now, I'm sitting here and I'm weary of resting. I'm tired of resting. I'm tired of sitting. And then I realized sitting is the worst thing I can do. And, and I try to get up and walk, but... <laughs> 
I'm in a place. And then, just as Pastor Mike said, you come to realize there's more to this. This is bigger. This is where do you fit in the greater eternal purposes of God. And have you finished your course? Have you finished the race that is yours for life? Have you finished fulfilling not just the vision that you have already seen, but the vision that God has in his heart for you? But along the way, there will be times when there's new assessment, there's new realization, there's new understanding of what God wants. And when he says it's finished, I want to be finished, and I'm going into that kingdom over there. But until then, I want to make it. In the course of this, I've been ministering on a prayer line, and the Lord opened to me the early chapters of the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. And I want you to look at chapter 7, and I want you to see what is in store for us in our generation after you do a survey of this chapter where it's one of the visions that Daniel had. Now this vision from the start happened to him in the night. And what you're going to find throughout the chapter, if you look at it, if I were tearing it apart with you, it would be, do you, what do you see? What do you behold? What's in your vision? And has your vision been completed to where you can see all the way through to what God has in his heart? What he sees is the end of the story and where we fit in that story. So at the beginning of the chapter, I don't have time to read it, but it's behold, 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 and I beheld, and behold, and I beheld, and behold, and I beheld. But the first part of what he saw was all about the vision of four great beasts. First, a tempest in the earth. The seas, all the seas uh, from, uh, from, from the earthly viewpoint were in tempest fighting against each other. Out of that rose this beast, that beast, another beast, and then the great beast. And that beast devoured all the other beasts. And that conquered it. And it, and it was such a horrible, head. it actually has the words concerning the fourth beast, which is in verse 7. He said, I beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, but he was strong. He had great iron teeth, devoured and broken pieces and stamped out the residue of the feet of it. It was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns, and I considered the horns, and behold, there came out among them another little horn, and then came the great voice of that great horn. And this is a horrible, horrible dream. But the question is, are you filled with that vision, Daniel? Because what God gave to Daniel was what has already transpired in the earth. And the question is, are we already into the fourth beast? Or is there another dispensation? And what's going on in the world? And which kingdom rises against kingdoms? And which kingdom devours other little kingdoms? And what is the great voice that's going to come forth out of all of that? And I tell you what, you'll hear a sampling of it if you just listen to the nightly news. There are things that are terrible and dreadful. There are warfares going on within our own nation. There are horrible voices that are speaking. And many of them 
are rising against the very most important thing. Don't lose your vision. The very most important thing is the next vision, verse 9. And I beheld, keep on looking, let God give you vision from the scriptures. I beheld until those thrones, the thrones were cast down. And the Ancient of Days did sit. Say it with me, I want to hear you. The Ancient of Days did sit. Where was he sitting? He was on the throne. This is the Father God. One of the things that has to happen for every one of us individually is for this vision to be brought down to us personally where you get a picture of who is the Ancient of Days. The one who is not only from the beginning, He's the one who created the beginning. He was before the beginning. How long is he going to last? Until after the end of time. He will be forever and forever and forever and forever. And you sing about it. And I think last week you heard a lot about the Father God. Didn't you hear about that? Well, your security is going to be in how much revelation you personally get of who is your God. And what is your God like? And how old is your God? And how long has he been there? And how long will he be there in the end? And what are his characteristics? What are the attributes of that God that you call Father? And he calls you his child. And you heard in the hymn that Brother Dick, oh, it was so good to hear Brother Dick this morning, leading in a hymn but it's all about the price that he paid to get you born into his family where you know who you are and who is your God, who is your father, who is your savior, what is your future for all eternity. And while we're down here grappling with the little struggles, oh, they seem big, 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 big struggles. Oh, about my earthly father, about my finances, about whether it's the will of God for me to stay at Elam one more year. That's a big one. <laughs> I tell you, since they started the one-year program, for many years, Elam was a three-year program. You came to Elam for three years. If you didn't stay, okay, but you came to Elam for three years. Then they put a one-year program in. So this is what I watched. Now, I can't do this very well, because what, what, but this is the vision I got. So people came to Elam like this. Well, I'm just coming for one year. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be over in a year. And then halfway through the year, oh, I don't know. I kind of like Elam, and God's doing big things in me. So maybe I'll stay for two years. Maybe I will, maybe. Oh, well, that means i got to have faith for another year of money. Oh, I, I'm just going to go for one year. And then they got the two-year associate degree program. And the degree is over in two years. So I'm coming for two years. Huh, this is harder than I thought. <laughs> this isn't as spiritual as I thought. They expect me to have papers done. <laughs> I think I'm only here for one year. I don't think I can endure all of this. Paper writing, I understand that one. I never assign you a paper. And, because uh, I have to sit up longer than you do. Yeah. Well, 
But God really moved on my heart last week. I think maybe he's calling me to, maybe to ministry. So maybe I should get both two years and then, yeah, maybe, maybe, I'll, uh, maybe I'll go to Roberts College and maybe I'll go someplace else. It won't be as hard as Elam. It's probably true. So, so okay, I'll make it through two years. And then a chapel service. And then an altar call, and then weeping at the altar. Well, God says, I'm not finished with you. What Elam is about isn't about getting a degree. What Elam is about is teaching you how to press when you need to press and how to rest when you need to rest, but to know when God says go and know when God says stay. And to tell you it's bigger than you are. And it's more than whether you're comfortable. There's a world waiting for you. That's one of the mottos of Elam. But there's a world waiting for you. But it's bigger than that. There's the kingdom of God waiting for you. And the kingdom of God around the world is waiting for you to come someplace and take some possession of some territory. And it's probably going to be a really hard place. Because the enemy already has staked his claims. And so for you, you just might need... To stay for a third year and just let God get further with you and teach you how to endure, how to run a race, how to stay. But what you're going to need is three visions to keep you and to get you where God has purpose to take you in the world. The first vision, you've got to know, it's not about beasts. It's not about kingdoms of the earth. It's not about kings of the earth. It's about the ancient of days that sits on a throne. He is seated already. He is in the highest heaven. And the more you get of a vision of that, borrow the vision from Daniel. Borrow it from Stephen as he was about to go to heaven. Borrow it, borrow it, borrow it from the scriptures. But ask God to make it real to you till you know who this God is who is calling you to go to come, to stay, to do, to take possession of a territory of earth, which might be a tiny, tiny little village. My father pastored always in small towns and country villages. It may be that you never leave this territory of Elam. Or if you go, you might get called back three times. Elam, Elam is a place for taking possession of the kingdom. But you might be one who's sent and never makes it back to Elam, but you're going to remember what happened at an altar when you got to know that there was a God in heaven who was calling you. And it's not about petty me and little puny me and weak me. It's about taking possession of what he gives to me. It's doing what he calls me to do. So he gets the vision. But then it goes back after he sees everything, the fiery stream and everything around the throne of God. Then verse 11, he said, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spoke. And he was hearing the voice again of the beast and of the kingdoms of this world and the terror and all that's going on, the chaos. And, and he got all taken up with that in verse 11. And he said, I, I, I beheld, I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words, I beheld even till that beast was slain. Keep on watching. Keep looking. Study your history. 
Study church history. Study the history of the world. Study the Roman Empire. Study the Greek Empire, which was before that. Study, 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 wasn't it? I think Greek was before the Roman. Well, yeah, you got it. I never took, I never took that history class. I, I didn't. I never took world history because we moved from New York to Pennsylvania when I was in 10th grade, and world history was taught in the 10th grade. And everybody who graduated in Pennsylvania had to have Pennsylvania history, so I gave up world history to take Pennsylvania history. So ask me about Pennsylvania, William Penn, the mountains. I was born there, Sylvia, Sylvania. I was born in the Penn's woods. I understand Pennsylvania, but I had to get a world view. And it came through the scriptures. But you can keep beholding what's going on in the world and even study the Bible from that perspective. But your vision has to be till that great beast was, what? Destroyed. I beheld till he was slain, till his body was destroyed. He was giving to the burning flame that was around the, the throne of God. And concerning the rest of the beasts, all of those before, they had their dominion taken away. Say it with me. They had their dominion taken away. Destroyed, taken away. And yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time, and that has reason. And then he said, I, I kept looking. In my night vision, I kept looking, I kept looking. And I say, go beyond understanding who God, the Almighty, the Everlasting One, the Ancient of Days, who He is, the Father who sits on the throne. Keep looking, because the next vision He needed was verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, that means look, see, but it also means surprise, serendipity. You're seeing something you haven't seen clearly before. Behold, he said, there was one like unto the Son of Man, capital S, on the, uh, on the, S, on the Son. He came with the clouds of heaven. There's a day for which we are looking when he shall return again. Angels said to Peter, James, John, the other apostles, on the mountain, you, you men of Galilee, why are you standing gazing up into heaven? Uh, foolish question. He was talking to us here, and he just started going up, 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 up into the clouds, and all we could see was the bottom of his feet, and then we couldn't see the bottom of his feet. And, and we took science, and we know that what goes up must come down. The angel said, you're right, but not yet. He's got a long way to go first to appear before the throne. He's got a long time, but he's coming back in like manners. You've seen him go. And this is Daniel thousands of years before Jesus came to earth. I saw the son, one like unto the son of man. He is the man, Jesus, who came with the clouds of heaven. And he came up to the ancient of days. And they ushered him right up to the father. And I think this is after what you sang in that hymn this morning. When he appeared before the throne of God with the blood that has redeemed and ransomed you and me. Can you say amen? This Elam is so quiet these days. We used to have hallelujahs and amens. Okay? And that was coached. Now think about this. That Jesus went to the throne of God and presented blood there. But he is coming with clouds one day to take us again. Keep the vision. Keep the vision. And here's what he wanted. When they took him to the throne, there was given unto him. This is probably way before he came to earth. Surely 
It's, I mean, it's surely before he came to earth. This is Daniel seeing. There was given him dominion, say it. There was given him dominion. It was given. This is what I see. When Joshua is taking the children of Israel into the land, he gives them, God says, give them this territory from that river to that river, from that mountain to the sea. Give them, give them, give it to them, give it to them, give it to them. And then tell them, now you must take that land. You must possess what is given to you. Some of it is going to be a fight. you got to fight. And sometimes the, ter ter the, the, the uh, territory might be like Terry is taking. Terry's territory may be the boiler room and the pipes and whatever. But there was given to Jesus dominion. Right. I have to hurry because i got to get to the third part of the vision. Because there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom. For what reason? So that he could enjoy the kingdom with his father? No. People, 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 verse 14, in order that all people and nations and languages should worship him. King James says serve, but we think slavery when we think serve. But serve and worship are translations of the same word. That they should worship Jesus and his dominion is an everlasting dominion. The word dominion means to rule, to have rulership and authority over. And his is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom shall not be destroyed. Can I hear anything coming from that? Whoa, a little bit. And then I see Daniel going back and I say, you just got a vision of Jesus ruling all the, over all the peoples of the earth. And Daniel says, I know, I know, I see it, I see it. But, but I have this grief. I was grieved in my spirit. That's a biblical term. I was grieved in my spirit, my human spirit, in the, in the midst of my body, down in the middle of my body. I had such trouble, such grief, such sorrow. And the visions of my head troubled me. Didn't you sing something about your head and your heart today? I was listening. You don't remember it, but I, I did. He said, the visions of my head troubled me. And why? Because he kept keeping the visions of the beasts and the kingdoms of the earth and the bad news and the wars and the tempest. And so he said, I found somebody near me. And I, I, I asked one of them that was standing by. And I asked him the truth of it all. Say it with me. The truth of it all. Not just the truth of what's going on in the nightly news. Not just the truth of this kingdom, that kingdom, the nations. Not just the truth of the trouble and the tempest. Tell me the truth of it all. And the truth of it all has a larger picture. And that larger picture has you. Sitting right in, standing right in the midst of it. That larger picture includes Elam. Elam here, Elam Bible Institute, Elam faculty trying to conquer our laziness, Elam deans trying to conquer our immorality and our selfishness, Elam chapel services trying to conquer our self-centeredness, even in taking the gospel. I need Jesus. Yes, you do. But he needs you, and he wants to conquer all of that so he can send you forth. And you're going to be put into a race. I used to be a runner. You can tell how 
difficult that is for me then. I can't even walk fast through my house without my rollator. I, I, I used to be a runner with lungs screaming for air and muscles saying, I can't go another step. And the brain saying, hey, I ran far enough. Mm. I fell out of one race because I was sick and, and I fell into the grass. And now this weekend I've wrestled over that. If I had pressed a little further, could I have made it? And then God gave me a little insight. I quit that race, but I wasn't a quitter. I was back on that track for a couple of years and I, my last race I went out breaking a record. Yeah. You get up and you go on. But the next part of the vision is all about you and me. Quickly, it's, he told me, and he made me to know the interpretation of the things. And he said, those great beasts, uh, they're four, they're four kings, they're going to arise out of the earth. But, verse 18 begins with but, and I always circle the word but in the Bible. But the, 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 the kings of the earth are going to conquer? No, 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 but the saints of the Most High. That's why you get a vision of the Most High. That's why you get a vision of Jesus seated together with him in heavenly places, getting the promise for the ends of the earth to be his. The possession of the ends of the earth is going to be his. He has an inheritance that's been promised, but he's brought you in as a child of God so that you can be part of the takers, the possessors of the ends of the earth. Whatever tiny place or whatever nation and students have gone out from Elam and been the instruments for revival that swept because they came to the end of themselves and cried out to God and he gave them visions of multitudes of black Africans as far as the eye could see worshiping God. Bud Sickler, that's another time I'd share all of that. But in 1954, God gave him a vision of a church for 5,000 in the, in the city of Mombasa, which was a Muslim city, and he couldn't even get anybody to come to a church that he started. He had five people when he had all his family and his house worker there. And God gave him a vision of 5,000, a church for 5,000. I've preached there, but Sickler's funeral was the first formal service that was held there. And they had... Over 6,000 crowded inside. The benches weren't in yet. And about, well, 7,000 inside, 6,000. There were 13,000 people there. But it was because God gave him another vision. Not how hard it is to work in a Muslim country. Not how much you can feel like a failure because you can't make it happen with all your ministry training and skills. He graduated from Elam at 19. Went to Africa. But a revival that started in Mombasa and crossed the continent of Africa. And I've been in several of those places where that revival worked. The end of this chapter is the saints of God shall take the kingdom and possess it forevermore. But then he sees again, and I close with this, and Pastor Mike already preached the end of the message. But it says in verse 25, this beast shall rise and he will begin to speak great words against the Most High. And verse 25, this is his goal. 
wear out the saints of the Most High. Just wear them out. Come against them. Try to stop them. Discourage them. Another translation could be keep chasing them. That's what persecute means. Chase all the way through. Just keep chasing them down until they're weary. But you know that they who wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength for him. He never grows weary. Even young people, Isaiah wrote, even young men shall faint and grow weary. Last night I was on the phone with the lady who, as a teenager, was the accompanist for my chorus when I was a high school choral director. And God just kept putting her in my heart. I haven't talked to her for years and years. And I just wanted to call her and thank her for her faithfulness and uh, so on. But at the end, she said, Miss Evans, I, I just keep wondering, how do you do what you do? How do you keep going? Well, I have an answer. It's the grace of God released through the prayers of the saints because what he purposes is for us to encourage one another and for us to learn how to run the race that is set before us. Now, what's been coming against you, Pastor Mike? You can close it out any, any way you want to here. But where you started in this service had to do with pipes and ice and snow. That's all of the earth. But what's available to you to make it through the night writing a paper for that tough professor? What is it that gives you the ability to endure when you're tired of whatever you're tired of? This is boot camp. This is not battlefield. This is boot camp. And if you don't learn how to press now, you're not going to make it in the battle out there. But I believe he put it in me. Come, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray over your own students. And then if you want to stay, I'll pray with you. But, you know, I, I, could, I could have spent time instead of talking about myself, I could have been talking about all the verses about don't grow weary, don't grow weary, and all of that. But the only way we're going to do it is how to learn to get past ourselves, get a vision of God and of Jesus and who you are in him, and learn to draw, draw, draw. So however you want to do it, pray for